Welcome to the Small Scale Life Podcast. Live from Kansas City, this is the Small Scale Life Podcast, and I'm your host, Tom Dahmers. Do you remember the days of old when your parents or grandparents had a garden in the backyard? Do you remember how the weeds used to pop up and eventually overwhelm the garden? Did you ever have to try to weed a garden like that? And how much you absolutely hated it. What if you could create a garden that didn't suffer from this weed problem? What if you could create an organized garden that maximizes your yield? This is exactly what Square Foot Gardening does for you. This is Season 2, Episode 13, and in this episode, I talk about our experience with Square Foot Gardening and discuss the advantages of this gardening system. You don't want to miss this one. It's a great episode. Just going to tell you that right up front. In case you're new to the Small Scale Life, this is a blog and podcast dedicated to developing a sustainable life through gardening, healthy living, frugal living, and having adventures along the way. At Small Scale Life, we're always dedicated to learning, doing, and growing. Well, everybody, I'm here in Kansas City. Uh, it's been a wild week of working and, and uh, just coming to the end of a great week here. So wanted to get this podcast down. I was writing it last night and uh, just didn't have time to. It was just too late. I couldn't put it up. Um, I had to... Uh, I had, uh, you know, I had to get some sleep. So uh, it's Thursday, the article posted this morning, and we're going to get this, uh, we're going to get this podcast up. So thank you for tuning in to Small Scale Life Podcast. Uh, Before we, uh, before we get into small scale gardening, we're not going to do any friends this week. This is a commercial free uh, podcast. We're just going to have some fun here and do a little, uh, uh, just talk a little bit about square foot gardening, but also catch you up on what's happening in our lives. Um, May is gone, dead and gone, and now we're saying hello to June. Um, Things are progressing at the house. If you are new to the podcast or new to Small Scale Life, my wife Julie and I were pushing forward to getting us ready to move uh, from our rental house in mid-July. We've been running for the past about five years and my son just graduated from high school and it's time to move to the next level it's time to move on so we are moving out of our house in mid-july um if you caught season uh season 10 uh episode i talked about or actually season 11 episode we talked about growing grass not food i ripped out all of my gardens so i'm kind of gardenless and and drifting a little bit but uh you know that's dead and gone. Let's talk about what else has been going on. Um, we are moving in mid-July, and that means we've been going through stuff. We've been following the teachings of the minimalists and getting rid of things using the follow through, following three criteria. Does it bring us joy? Will we use it at the future condo or compound? Can we replace it quickly and less and for less than 20 bucks? So we have used that criteria to just slice and dice through our stuff. And we've gotten rid of a lot of stuff. We've donated things to the Goodwill. And we've been selling items on consignment and eBay. And really, um, it's gone pretty well. I can't believe how much we've sold already. We have really sold a lot of stuff. And it's been really amazing. We've taken that money to pay off some credit card debt and uh, also replenish our emergency fund. We do follow Dave Ramsey, and we are um, we do have an emergency fund in place, and we had to dip into that a little bit. Um, 
for some events that happened in late May, and we're going to talk about that in a second. So the big key is we sold some stuff, and we have our, uh, at least our baby, our mini uh, emergency fund fully funded. So um, why would we need to replenish that uh, emergency fund? Where did, the, where did that money go? Well, um, as I mentioned, things in May, we were busy in May. Things got a little more expensive uh, than we planned. Our son, Ryan, recently graduated from high school. Yay. Awesome. Way to go, Ryan. Really proud of you. And uh, we had a graduation party for him on Memorial Day weekend. And that went really well. I mean, it went well at the party considering the weather conditions and, and uh, you know, it could have been a real washout or the wind could have carried the tent and all the items away, but it went really well. Um, you know, graduation itself was a bit strange. And what that means, it was, it was, I'll tell you right up front, it was the weirdest, the strangest graduation I have ever attended in my life. We had five valedictorians that gave speeches that's kind of weird. Don't you usually just pick one? Um, we had a near riot that almost broke out. And then we had um, an alumni who won an award for her activities. But she was talking to high school students about cervical cancer and pap smears. And it was just bizarre. That's a bizarre topic for high schoolers. I, I just, it was, the, it was the strangest thing I've ever attended. And yeah, you did hear me correctly. We were talking... We had speeches about pap smears, and we almost had riots at the graduation ceremony. I mean, can you believe it? Good grief. It makes, um, it makes me wonder, what, what is going on these days? It's just not the pomp and circumstance that I remember. But we had a great party, and we were, um, we were really blessed by having friends and family in town for it. Uh, we got to connect with some people that uh, we haven't seen for a long time, and that was really nice, and it, we really enjoyed the company. And we really enjoyed all the fun we had with them. Yes, it cost us a little bit of money, but hey, we're selling stuff and we're getting rid of stuff. And we were able to recharge our, our, uh, our coffers, which is great. So now that we've moved beyond graduation, life has gotten back to normal. And we've settled, settled into a new normal, which is working and, uh, and getting ready for the management company to show the house. Uh, we've had a steady stream of showings, and we're all praying that someone rents it soon. Why, you ask? Well, the answer is really simple. Getting, <laughs> getting our boys to clean their rooms and keep a clean house all the time, it does take its toll. You know, you just can't live. So the house needs to be ready to, to be shown on a 24-hour notice. And really, it's the same whether you're a renter and you've given notice and... and they're looking for new renters, or you decide to sell your house. Once your home goes on the market for sale or for rent, it's no longer your home. And that's something that you can keep in mind, whether, you know, whether you're selling or renting. Um, yes, you're paying the fees and the mortgage and the rent and the utilities, but it's really become a model on the market and it needs to look and smell good. No one wants to buy a house that smells like a locker room or pet smells or cigarettes or mildew and molds or other nasty smells. They, the smell is huge. Also, just piles of stuff around. That's huge. So you have to keep your house looking good in model condition almost. So here's a pro tip for you. Make your house smell good. 
and you can do this by using those Scentsy wickless candles that you can get like on Amazon or Target or Walmart. Or you can even boil a mixture of vanilla and water uh, on the stove before a showing. Just make sure the smell from the Scentsy wickless candle isn't overwhelming. You know, some of those can just be way too powerful. Vanilla is a great one. Um, and, the, you know, it's just, it really helps sell the house. Probably one of the most powerful smells is chocolate chip cookies. You ever notice how a car dealership or home builders have chocolate chip cookies around? The smell sells. It really does. And I know this because I, when I was an office leader in Chicago, I hired um, some architects that were in the home building market, and they always used to have freshly baked chocolate chip cookies in their office, and that sold houses. It works, believe it or not. Smell is just a powerful sense. So don't overlook this, overlook this when you're trying to sell the house or have somebody come and rent it. So that's my pro tip of the day. I'm not a realtor. Don't even play one on TV. But uh, just something to keep in mind if you're selling your house or trying to get someone to rent your house or, um, or having people over. Have it smell good. All right. So enough of that. Uh, let's talk a little bit about square foot gardening. And square foot gardening is one of my favorite types of gardening. It just makes sense to me. It works. And uh, it's worked for me for many years. And, and even though my beds don't look like Mel Bartholomew's, we'll talk about that, um, it is one of my favorite types of gardening. So let's talk a little bit about that. So like I said, do you remember those old gardens from your grandparents and your parents or even yours from the past you know you'd go out in the back and you'd uh you'd rototill up a plot and then you'd plant long rows uh using a whole package of seeds and hope that you know some would pop up out of the ground and do you remember how they how the beds would just devolve into chaos as weeds choked out your vegetables and herbs do you remember that can you remember how much you hated weeding Oh, I do. I totally do. I remember it like yesterday. You know, um, my parents, every spring, they, they always wanted a big garden. So they'd be gung-ho to plant. And, you know, they'd go out, they'd do the rototilling thing in a big plot, plant rows of squash and tomatoes and beans and uh, cucumbers, and, uh, and then walk away. And... Over the next few weeks, the plot would just look like it had been invaded by every type of weed in the country. And, uh, and one way to try to mitigate this, my dad would cut the grass and he would, take, um, he would take grass clippings and he would try to use it as mulch around all, you know, on the walking paths between the rows and also around the plants. Um, but it, you just usually, inevitably, it ended up looking like a chaotic jungle towards mid to late summer. Um, yeah, we had some vegetable plants that grew tall, uh, but we also had a lot of weeds. And uh, it probably didn't help that they were really busy during the week with their jobs and then running us around to baseball or soccer. And, uh, and on the weekends, we'd be gone. We'd be up at the cabin in northwestern Wisconsin. So there just wasn't the devotion and the time that it was, would take to keep those gardens clean and free of weeds. So there were times when mom would assign us 
uh, jobs to go out in the back and gar- to the garden and weed it, and it was one of the worst jobs you could get. I mean, I would rather I would rather do laundry than go back there and weed this jungle. Um, we didn't know what was a weed. We didn't know it was worth saving. We just didn't have any clue because we didn't pay attention. We didn't know what they were supposed to look like. And then when we were working out there, we'd have these clouds of mosquitoes coming out of the jungle, and they would just feast on us. It was horrible. <laughs> it was really bad. So it really was It was a horrendous experience. And frankly, um, a lot of that experience was, was a main reason why I never wanted to garden, and I didn't want to touch plants until I was much, much older. Um, little did I know that... It, in my late 30s that I would return to gardening and uh, really get into it and really bring me to where I am today. So let's talk about that a little bit. Uh, What changed? I hated gardening and it was back in 2008. And if you remember 2008, that was the crash of 2008. Things were bad. Um, We were living in our beige prairie palace in the far west suburbs of Chicago, Illinois. It was called Oswego, Illinois. Great place to grow up. Nothing wrong with there. A great place to have kids and have a a house. It was was a great place. Um, But it was really a stressful time in our lives. I mean, uh, the crash was in full swing. Businesses were going belly up. Um, One by one, my clients were calling and talking to me about about their projects and telling me they were pulling their projects back in because they needed to keep their own people employed. So those projects were being shut down. As an office leader uh, and a group leader with people in my office and across country, I was pretty worried. I mean, what were these people going to do? I was really stressed out that I was going to have to lay everybody off and then, of course, get fired. I mean, it was that bad. Times were really tough. So, meanwhile at home, uh, Jules had gotten a set of Little House on the Prairie books, and she was reading to them, reading them to Ryan at night. And on more than one occasion, when I was finally home from work and, and uh, could sit and relax, uh, or try to relax, um, I had a chance to listen to the stories, and I just, I marveled at how self-sufficient these people were. Um, they were out on the prairie, they were in the big woods, they were um, in Walnut Grove, and they didn't have a lot of material wealth, but they knew how to survive in the winter, they knew how to take a situation and turn it around, and they had the skills to survive in a horrendously, in horrendously harsh conditions, whether it was drought or the winter or, you know, in the spring, they could make it stretch, they could figure it out, and they could, could get it done. So, you know, those stories, plus the crash and all the stress, it really made me think of how soft and dependent we've become in the modern era. You know, I I would talk to Jules and I would just marvel that, you know, we really don't know how to do anything to sustain us if things got really, really bad with the economy. We couldn't afford our house if I lost a job. Remember, we're in a beige prairie palace. You know, I couldn't go to Walmart and, and get a job there because I couldn't afford to pay the mortgage. I would lose the house, and how am I going to keep food on the table? So I wasn't sure how we'd even feed ourselves if times got really bad. And, you know, I've trust me, I lumped myself in with this with the modern men with modern people um i really didn't know much 
many skills outside of being an engineer or office leader at my office. You know, um, my grandparents were very skilled. They knew how to forage. Uh, they they could hunt and fish, and they could um, they could they gardened and preserved food and made wine and alcohol from berries and other other things. And they passed away without passing on those skills to my brother or me or anyone in our family. You know, those old ways that my family and their ancestors had been lost. And really, we become drones in the cubicle doing a bunch of busy work to create wealth for other people, our companies. And I knew I had to do something to change that, but I really didn't know what to do about it. And it was, you know, with the crash going on, all the stresses, it, it just it just was really stressing me out. And there were times when I thought that um, I was going to get fired. And what would I do? What would we do? Um, what would our family do? So <clears throat> it was kind of strange. One day our neighbor was, it was in the fall, and our, our neighbor was just raving about the amount of veggies she was, uh, she was getting from her garden. And, um, and she was giving away extra stuff to everybody in the block. I think we got some squash and some beans, and, and they were just fantastic. We might have gotten some lettuce, too. Uh, Jules and I were just stunned that she had this extra produce, and we were asking her, you know, how did you? Where did you get this? How did you grow this? We had terrible clay there. I mean, it was bad. We were in a, used to be a farm field, and the development company came in, and, and they do what they always do. They strip off all the good topsoil, all the good, all the good dirt, and they leave you just a little bit of, uh, a little bit of soil, and the rest was just hard-packed clay uh, that was impossible to work. You couldn't go back in your backyard like my parents did with their rototiller and till up a spot and drop seed in the ground and, and have a hope that it would that would grow. It just the soil was not was not any condition for that. So she told us that it was very simple. What she was doing was really simple. She had two or three beds in her backyard and she was following this this book. This book um it was called, it was Mel Bartholomew's Square Foot Gardening Book. And it was just easy to follow. It made a lot of sense. Everything was organized. And um, she was having a fantastic harvest. And Jules and I looked at each other like, wow, that, that sounds kind of good. I think Jules was thinking that if I got a hobby, maybe I wouldn't be as stressed out. And she's, she's probably right. So our neighbor lent us her copy. And we had to give it a try. Square foot gardening is really a great system because it maximizes the yield by meeting three basic criteria. It's well organized, it's easy to maintain, and it's attractive all season long. And these cri- three, ty- uh, three cri- criteria, these three criteria, hello, um, I'm going to take with me as I design my new garden once we finally get to the compound. And I'll, I'll talk more about that. I've got a vision and I've got a plan for that. And they're going to look fantastic and you're going to want to get one when I, uh, well, you're going to want to get these raised beds or know how to build them when I get there. So the system was developed by the late Mel Bartholomew. I think he passed away last year at the ripe old age of 84. Uh, he published the first version of this book in 1981 and then he had a show on PBS. Mel um, Mel was a civil engineer like myself, 
and he got into gardening and composting, and he really got focused on small garden beds, and they usually measured four by four feet. He would divide up these four by foot beds into 12 inch squares, so it would be 16 squares. And then he would focus, focus on those squares, and he would intensively plant those cells or those squares. So the advantage of these smaller organized beds is that a gardener could really organize the garden to maximize growth. You know, instead, you know, the typical uh, large plot garden, you rototill up a, a large space, you take a packet of seeds, you make a furrow or a, a trench, and you drop the seeds down the trench, cover it up, water it. Um, you have to put some stakes down, you know, okay, I've got a row right here and hope I don't step on it later. And then you wait and you wait and see what pops up. Keep it watered. You know, it's kind of like planting the grass in the back backyard. You know, instead, you are really focused on that four, that 12 by 12 square. And you could just, you could spare your seeds and just drop a few seeds into that square, depending on the type of plant. Like a tomato, one tomato goes in one 12 by 12 square. One broccoli plant goes in a 12 by 12 square. Four basil plants go in a 12 by 12 square. One pepper plant goes in a 12 by 12 square. 12 radishes or 12 onions go in a 12 by 12 square. Different plants, um, you, you, you plant uh, a different number depending on the plant. And there's a whole series of um, planting guides and graphics out there that talk about, you know, how much you put into each square. I think it's four lettuces can go into a square. So um, it's really organized, though, and you can really, um, you, can, you can be very intentional about what you're putting in each square, keep it very organized, and also you can really work um, the vertical differences of the, high, of the plants in that 4x4 four four box. And what I mean is your short vegetables and herbs are up front or facing the sun and then this next row of four boxes are medium height vegetables or herbs and then the last row is probably your climbers your tomato plants your bean pole beans or other plants that will grow taller so you can be very um very focused you can be very intentional and you can really pack a lot into these these beds so, really, you are concentrating your efforts on each 12 by 12 square. And by defining what Mel found is by defining strict, strict limits for these beds, gardeners could maximize their efforts while limiting, limiting their time and effort spent on maintaining the beds. And that's kind of a weird, that's kind of a weird paradox. I mean, you'd think... Um, that wouldn't be so, but it is true. I mean, you have a finite amount of time and you have a finite amount of labor. And if you squeeze everything down, if you, if you make it small scale, you can really make something shine. It's really a minimalistic approach to gardening. You are, uh, you're not, you're not planting 500 basil plants. You're planting four. You're not planting 500 tomato plants. You're planting 
three or one. Um, you're really focused and intentional on each square, and that each and that square becomes its own little micro garden. So um, it really makes sense to people who like to be organized. And um, in our relationship, I'm a little bit more of the free spirit, while Jules is much more organized than me. So she read the book first, and she really focused on uh, being well organized. She loved that. So she knew that this would be a great um, gardening style for for us. So um, I got going um, building the beds, but that's a different story. So let's talk about maintenance a little bit. Square foot garden beds are just flat out easy to maintain. And really this is a key advantage to the square foot gardening method. Um, Mel had been part of some community gardens in his area and he watched as people did the same thing that my parents did. And I've even been to some community gardens in Minneapolis and I've seen the same kind of um, same patterns repeat themselves. People get out in the spring, they're really gung-ho and they get in there and they, they tear up the bed and they tear up the plot and they rototill it and then they plant these furrows and they plant the seeds or they plant their their larger bed and um, you know that's the initial steps and then over time they get busy and they get involved in things and they don't come back and the weeds start to pop up and suddenly the weeds are competing uh, with your veggies and herbs and suddenly they overtake them and you've got a big pile of weeds so Mel saw this, I've seen this, I'm sure you've seen this, maybe experience this yourself. By creating a new 4x4 raised bed, and you manufacture the soil. So this was a problem we had in Illinois, is I had serious clay about an inch under the topsoil. It was clay, and it was rock hard. So you are manufacturing the soil. You're getting compost, vermiculite, and peat moss and you're mixing this together to create a new soil and you don't have to dig out the old stuff you don't have to dig out the old grass although you probably should just because grass is so intrusive but you are creating new soil and it doesn't have any weeds or any seeds to worry about i mean there might be some in there especially in the compost but you can really take care of those really quickly so in addition when you plant this intensively, like you put four basil plants or maybe five basil plants in this 12 by 12 square, or you put some marigolds in, or you put a tomato plant in, or you put a pepper plant in, those plants suddenly dominate, you know, because you probably, if you've been following me, you've been gardening indoors, right? So you've got seedlings ready to go, and those plants will dominate, and they will crowd out any potential weeds that pop up. Now, there will always be seeds that get blown in by the wind or dropped by animals or, or, you know, they just show up. Sometimes the runners come underneath the beds. But you can deal with them. It, you've got manufactured soil. You've got new garden beds. Um, and, you, can, you know, weeding is a snap. It is not like the old days where you're in this huge jungle and you've got to figure out what's a weed, what's a plant. It's overwhelming. You get stressed out. And that little inner rebel in your head says, nuts to this, I'm going to go do X. No, this is really simple. A couple weeds pop up and you take them out. It's really easy. 
manufactured soil, brand new beds, or manufactured soil in new smaller beds or smaller beds, any weeds that come up and grow are easily removed. And, you know, one other benefit to this is because these beds are pretty small, four by four feet, you can water them with a hose. You know, you don't want to spray everything down because that's a good way to get septoria and other blights to pop up. But you can you can put in a hose and and soak the bed, soak the soil, and it doesn't take much to water them. You can really tell when when you see that water kind of seep out from the bottom a little bit. You know that everything is watered really well, and it doesn't take long. So it's really easy to maintain, and it's really easy to water. That's huge, huge. And I'll just I'll show you how easy it is when uh, as we do some updates here this summer. So. Um, you know, square foot gardens are really attractive all year long, and you can really make these small gardens shine. You have a smaller, organized space. You can concentrate your efforts on making the best use of that space. You can really make it shine. And this is where you can dress up your planting area with a nice-looking trellis. You can um, make the space around it look great. Because you're not spending tons of money on these big, massive gardens with lots of uh, rows of, of you know, furrows of, of plant, plants and herbs, you can really make that space around each of your bed shine with, say, a gravel path. Gravel it around it, and that'll keep the grass problem to a minimum. And you can even put fencing around the beds to keep out um, critters like rabbits who will love to eat your lettuce and your other plants. So um, through this trial and error, uh, through this trial and error, this is where I really uh, developed some ideas for growing vertical with my plants and put some trellis ideas into place. This from square foot gardening. This is where it all started. So um, I put two, two four by four beds uh, in my backyard in Illinois, and we just had a bumper crop our first year. It was great. It was easy. It it just brought me a lot of, um, brought, uh, gave me a lot of stress relief in these tough times, and I loved it. And we had so much. Then I started to to preserve food. I started to can. I started to make salsa. I had to do something with all these uh, tomatoes and all the beans and all the the other things I was growing. So this is where. You know, you can start to develop some other skills. One other benefit of square foot gardening is you can make these attractive all year long. And what that means is because you have a 4x4 four four space, you can create some really cool accessories for your gardens to extend the season. That means hoops. That means cold frames. You can put these on your 4x4 four four beds. They're really inexpensive. And you can garden further into the season, further into the fall, because you're using thermal heat, you're keeping the heat in, your, um, your plants will respond. And, uh, you know, you can, you can really get creative. We've seen some really neat stuff out there where people have gotten creative and extended their season. Um, it's something that I might, might do later this year. We'll see. Is to try some hoop houses and, or, or, um, um, some cold frames, and you can you can build those out of used windows, and they're really cheap because people throw those away when they're doing home remodeling projects.
So square foot gardening, I'm a real fan of it. I, that's how I started gardening. Like I said, I had two four-by-four beds. And then after that first year, I built a, I, I believe it was a two-by-ten-foot uh, two bed. And I, that was my tomato and cucumber bed. And that was really productive. Um, and I learned a lot from that bed. I had trellises back there and, and uh, learned a, l- a bunch about blight. So <laughs> it's trial and error. That's how I learned. Um, if you want to know more about this method, you really need to read uh, Mel Bartholomew's Square Foot Gardening book. Um, I have the 2005 edition, um, and he did publish an all-new Square Foot Gardening book in 2013. Um, I don't own that version yet, but uh, it's kind of funny. As an aside, I, I met a guy in my town, uh, St. Louis Park, Minnesota, who is featured in the all-new Square Foot Gardening book. He was called the Pepper Guy, and he was doing a test of soil, and, and Mel... Um, Mel actually came and visited him, and there's pictures in there of his corn and how tall his corn is um, using Mel Mix and, and the principles of small-scale uh, of square-foot gardening. So I'm going to have to get a version. Of, I'm going to have to pick up that version of the book and uh, add it to my gardening library. Now, looking at Amazon, they're offering the 1981 version of the book. So the first version of the book is available on Amazon. You know, I had a chance to look through this version at my mom's cabin in late May of this year, just just recently. And I've got a picture of it in the blog post, so you can take a look at the cover there. It, it looks very 1981. Um, but it was interesting because when Mel started, he was looking at developing these, these beds in the ground, not raised beds. And that was a change with the 2005 edition where he decided that you could, uh, instead of trying to rehab spending time rehabbing the soil to build new soil and, uh, and start with new soil manufactured soil. But, uh, there's a lot of great stuff in that 1981 book, cold frames, trellising, um, ways to improve the soil, uh, fertilizers, all kinds of stuff. So, um, I did take a look at that book. I've, I've, uh, I didn't have a chance to read it all. I would love to do a, a book review of that. Um, but I, I love it that Mel experimented with just a lot of techniques and a lot of things that I've thought about or even tried. So um, it is kind of funny because the saying is true. There's nothing new under the sun. It's all been done before. It's just how, how can you put those lessons and, and ideas to work for you? So <clears throat> as I mentioned in Season 2, Episode 11... I completely removed all my garden. Uh, in fact, uh, raised bed number one got turned into kindling, and I burned it up. It just—it um, was too far gone to be used by someone else. Uh, and I've, I'll write an article about this: uh, wet soil and water uh, and roots—they just do a number to pine boards, and it doesn't take long for that to rot out. So in that experience is fueling my ideas for my next garden. So my garden is completely gone. However, um, on Sunday, I just planted two four by six square foot garden beds uh, in Minneapolis, in North Minneapolis. And these are going to be my gardens this year. There's going to be regular garden updates, 
uh, for all of you, and I'll show you the power of the square foot garden this year. Um, I am going to be building one of my modified trellis systems to handle my 10 tomatoes and my 10 pepper plants. Yeah, it's intensive and, and uh, I'm kind of maximizing on peppers and, and tomatoes, but, but that's for future posts and I'll show you how, uh, how I'm going to do that. So this is your chance. Let me know how your gardening efforts are going. We're into June now. You should hopefully have stuff in the ground or stuff in pots and things are growing. Uh, do you have everything planted in your garden? Have you ever tried square foot gardening? How did it work out for you? Feel free to ask questions and we'll get answers for you. Um, I'm going to post this in a number of four, uh, Facebook groups. So feel free to, to uh, give us feedback here on Small Scale Life would be great, or in those Facebook groups, and we'll, we'll have a conversation. Um, that's all I got for you. This was a really, I enjoyed this podcast because it's, it's back to my roots. It's back to basics. It's going small-scale gardening all over again. Yeah, my first plug, small-scale gardening. So thank you for tuning in. We'll be back soon with another episode. This is Tom from The Small Scale Life. And remember to learn, do, and grow. We'll see you next time, everybody.